Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito. And I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from life. You know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Plus. Welcome to Food Court, a production of iHeartRadio. This is Food Court with Richard Blaze. That is me. I'm Richard Blaze. I've been a chef and a judge all over TV, and now I'm here judging your opinions. And I found a way to cut out the cooking part, which works well for me, because the cooking part is really, really hard. This is season two of Food Court. Hopefully, we'll be back in the studio this year, but we're not there yet. Thank you so much for bearing with us as we navigated all the changes and figured out better ways to record these episodes from home and sometimes from thousands of miles apart as producer Crystal sits there in Kansas City right now. Before I forget, I wanted to share that Food Court has its own Instagram. That's right, season two, everyone. We're going big. Please go there to argue about things, vote on the topics and more at Food Court Pod. Now listen, today is a special episode. I'm a little bit intimidated. Joining us in the Food Court today, we have the senior editor for Eater Los Angeles, where he writes daily about restaurants and dining and is the author of the book, Los Angeles Street Food, a history from Tamaleros to Taco Trucks. I hope I pronounced it correctly. It's Farley Elliott. Meow, meow, meow. Mr. Blaze, you nailed it as usual. I felt like you were coming in with the, perhaps I didn't nail it, and I got an air horn back, which never happened. I would never be the sort of person out in the world to hear an air horn and not respond in kind. I love it. I love it. I appreciate it. Now listen, going up against Farley, we have an award-winning reporter and photographer and the restaurants and bars editor of Time Out Los Angeles. It's Stephanie Brejo. And Richard, might I just say that your hair looks amazing today. Not that I'm trying to curry favor with the judge, but I just felt like it, it needed to be said. 
listen, I, the fact that you also used a food term and a curry favor, like, come on. Like, we are just, the puns are flying already, unintentionally. By the way, just to be clear, those things do work in this court. This is a different type of court. So flattery could get you everywhere. And listen, everyone, this is a stacked court today. I am honored, a little bit intimidated. Anytime a chef has people in front of him that write about food, it doesn't matter if we've met before. It doesn't matter if you've even said kind things. There's always that sort of, you know, that intimidation barrier. How do you feel as the journalist and the writers when you're dealing with chefs? Well, I'll just say nobody intimidates me more in the food landscape than Stephanie. She's a, a fantastic writer, an awful human being, but a very nice writer. Um, <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, you know, I, I really like my gig as a food writer. I, I get to talk to restaurant owners and workers and, and everybody in between about what it means to be such a vital part of their community. So I couldn't be happier to have the job I have. I mean, Again, flattery, like you said, will get you everywhere, but it will not get you winning this argument, Farley. I do really appreciate that compliment. <laughs> I think that it's, you know, much like what Farley said, I think it's honestly, it's an honor to be able to report on food and especially food in Los Angeles, which is, you know, we're biased, but maybe, you know, the greatest food community in the world, the U.S., pretty much everywhere I can imagine. So yeah, it's every day. I feel like we are flying by the seat of our pants and loving getting to talk to everyone that ever is involved from all aspects. Amazing. And I feel like we have, I don't know, I'm saying this collectively, haven't we come a long way from the writer, the journalist, the critic, and the chef sort of naturally being on different sides? Like, does it, I feel like we've come a long way, not even just this year, but over the last, you know, five to 10 years even. Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, I'm not a food critic, neither is Stephanie. Our jobs are not to be anonymous. It's to build relationships that help the entire scene to kind of grow and thrive. And Jonathan Gold was one of the stalwarts in that sense of getting able to, uh, being able to kind of, you know, play both sides of the fence. And I think he's really a representation of how great Los Angeles is and, and how awesome the writing community when it comes to food here has been for a long time. Absolutely. Amazing shout out. And you just said it like now there's like, yes, oh, there's someone who's going to write about me. There's a, there's more of a love. There's, there's more of a connection now than there has ever been. And I think even in what was, well, 2020, 2021, it's all the same right now as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. But uh, it's brought us in a lot of weird ways. It's brought us all together where we realize like we are on the same side. We're just trying to cook delicious food for people and, and, and take care of each other. Now, listen, speaking of each other, how long have you known each other? Where did this relationship start? Well, you know, I moved back to LA coming up on, you know, three and a half years, almost almost four years now. And I think Farley was actually one of the first people to intro himself because I I broke a story and he immediately called me. And, you know, it, it sort of was couched as like a courtesy call, but really he was more like a, who are you and what are you doing? I remember him being like, oh, that yeah, that's right. So what kind of coverage are you looking to do just out of curiosity? But I like to think of Farley as you know how like in Star Wars there there can be like a dyad in the force I kind of think of Farley as my food news dyad we are constantly trying to beat each other but have great respect for each other obviously I would be the Jedi and he would be more of a Sith sort of force I would imagine oh wow I mean I was going Mandalorian just to like seem like you know the but you're just going totally opposite. You're going Jedi versus Sith. Yeah, I, I would say- Sometimes it can feel like that. Exactly. No matter what you see on the screen right now over Zoom, this is all heavy makeup. I'm just covered in red and black and horns underneath. <laughs> Listen, you know, I mean, the most amazing part of this as a Star Wars nerd is that you just went straight Darth Maul. Like you didn't, <laughs> you didn't go Vader. You just went to the most epic fight scene ever in any of the Star Wars movies. I mean, okay, listen, 
obviously we're queued up for a pretty big serious debate today <laughs> but before we get into the, the the heavy smack talk we all know that this has been a crazy year or so but keeping it positive what are some for each of you what are some hot takes of positivity that you see in the uh the food or restaurant industry here that we've learned in 2020 well, I think that one of the things that we've we've seen specifically from, you know, a loss of indoor dining, of conventional dining, is that our pop-up scene has just flourished, which has been amazing to watch and, you know, delicious to partake in because you've got home bakers, you've got, you know, home bonchon kits, you've got like meal kits, you've got tacos, you've got people popping up in places you never would have expected. And a lot of people who maybe were not you know, headlining chefs or, you know, big flashier names getting to sort of prove their worth on their own and rise to the surface and, and, you know, kind of carve out a space for themselves. So that has been particularly one sort of, you know, positive trend to come out of this absolutely heinous year plus. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love it. I, I really, just to kind of piggyback on that, I think the last time we saw this level of sort of uh, restaurant industry decimation or, or at least teetering was 0809, right? After the financial crisis. And we started to see what came out of that in the years that followed, whether that's Roy Choi and Kogi Barbecue or the great dining scene that really took a huge leap in Los Angeles afterwards. So the innovation is still there, pop-ups, street food scenes, that kind of stuff isn't going to go away. It's gonna look a little bit different. And the only other thing I would say is we're really having hard conversations right now because the money in restaurants are so scarce about equity and what it means to give everybody a seat at the table from purveyors to workers to ownership on down. Both great, great takes. I've been trying to say this, and I, I, I hesitate to say this out loud in front of two amazing writers, but I'm hoping that we are the proverbial morel mushroom in the forest right now, our industry, where morels usually grow only after a forest fire, and then you have this wonderful organic thing that sort of happens after it. So maybe it's me trying to be a poet, but I'm hoping that that's where we're at in our industry. <laughs> Enough of my poetry because I'm a serious judge. Now listen, there's a case that you've brought to the court today. It's a very serious one. It is truly divisive. But before we get into that, a little bit more about yourselves. Uh, Farley, tell me how long you've been writing about food. So, you know, in some sense, I'm still relatively new to the job. I've been at Eater now about five years, but I was a freelance writer before that. I got really lucky to be able to publish a book about the history of street food in Los Angeles and why we are one of these sort of preeminent food street scenes in the world. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I had a whole career trying to be a, a failed comedy writer in Los Angeles. I'm from a really small town in northern New York, right up on the Canadian border. So I wasn't born into this scene of like eating well. The first restaurant I ever loved was like a hamburger joint inside of a double wide trailer. So I, I still wake up with a little zest because I haven't been doing it so long. I'm quite curmudgeonly enough. Amazing. You've both I have, done I have a quick question for Stephanie. You've been doing this for so long. How does it feel after all these years to still have so many bad food takes? How does that feel for you? <laughs> oh, that's so cute, Farley, that you think that hot sandwiches are bad. I feel like <laughs> I'm going to mop the floor with you, and then I'm going to take you that is on the floor, and I'm going to put it on a hoagie roll, and I'm going to put it under like a salamander, maybe a broiler, and then I'm going to make whatever isn't on the sandwich of you taste the sandwich of you so that you can taste what that failure actually tastes like. And then I'm gonna make you give me taste. Okay. <laughs> Gaveling in with the Noki paddle. First of all, serious hot takes, some serious smack talk happening. Food puns truly flying all over the place. But here's the most important part that I have to get out of the way right now. I took an oath, okay? And that means that I have to push my personal feelings aside and judge your arguments as objectively 
as possible, which has been known to happen every once in a while here in the food court. So it is the time we have been waiting to. You've mentioned it briefly. Stephanie, tell us about the case that you've brought to the food court today in one sentence or so. I am here to argue that hot sandwiches are the superior sandwiches, superior to cold, hands down, one of life's greatest joys. Hot sandwiches are better than cold. It's a hot take. It's very clear. And, and Farley, I'm assuming you disagree. Not only do I disagree, I can't even understand where this argument would be founded from. I'll get into it later, but cold sandwiches are far and away more versatile and superior in just about every facet. You're both eager to go, and of course, that's what today is all about. It's the age-old debate. Hot sandwiches versus cold sandwiches. I said this to my wife before she left the house this morning, and she gave me one of those looks like, is it even a question? I'm not going to tell you which side she was on, because it doesn't matter, but it is hot, melty cheese versus cold, creamy cheese. It's hot meats versus cold meats. It's toasty breads versus breads. These are all good things, of course, and we're going to get into it today. And let's face it, sandwiches are always there for us when we can't bear to cook one more meal. They're a tried and true staple, and lots of sandwiches are downright delicious. A quick question for both of you, real quick. Is a hamburger a sandwich? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Look at that. There we go. Hopefully the last time we agree today, right there, a hamburger is a hot dog a sandwich. Yes. Yes. We are on the same page. Uh, now I can keep going. Is, uh, does a sandwich need bread to be a sandwich? Yes. Yes. Three for three for all of us. We should just go right away and just go have our own opinion somewhere. But I think we're going to disagree right now. Before we get into the official arguments, we like to have a quick trivia round. So if you're both ready, we will do it, okay? If you win the trivia round, the prize is you get nothing. You get nothing tangible. You get to decide the order in which you present your arguments, first or second. And I think both of you, you were hoping for actual prizes, weren't you? Yes, desperately. Maybe a sandwich. We're writers, after all. We need all the help we can get. And since we're not in the studio today, we don't have the buzzers that we normally would use. So you've been asked to come up with your own sounds. Stephanie, what sound are you going to make to buzz in for the answer? I'm going to do like an ah. Okay, I like that. Yeah, usually like kind of like wrong answer sound. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll, I'll work for it. That, that, that works for me. Farley, what about you? Auga. Okay, I like yeah. it. We got an ant versus a auga. And I think it is going to work. And let's get right into it. These are three trivia questions. They're all worth different points, so don't give up even if you missed the first two. Question one, the Reuben sandwich is one of the most popular sandwiches in America. What two cities claim the sandwich was invented there? Auga. All right, Farley, you're in. New York City and Philadelphia. New York City and Philadelphia is incorrect, but close. Stephanie, I'll give you a chance to answer if you'd like. Eh, New Jersey and New York City. Okay, there we go. First of all, I am awarding Stephanie a half a point for so politely making her buzzer sound on her answer, where she didn't technically need to do that. The correct answer, neither one got it perfectly. It's a tough one. New York and Omaha, Nebraska. Oh. Wow. Yeah, that's right. The old New York versus Nebraska <laughs> argument, which rarely happens. I will also award Farley a half a point yes. for saying New York. So there we go, tied up at a half a point each. And we get into question two, all tied up. Here it is. What is the most popular sandwich in America? Uh, That's Stephanie. A burger. A burger is <laughs> close, but not the answer. Farley, would you like to answer? Auga, grilled cheese. Farley's grilled cheese is correct. It's the grilled cheese. Uh, it's the grilled cheese. But note cheese. that it is a hot sandwich. 
it's a hot sandwich. Don't. I have so many things to say. <laughs> Don't even start. They're arguing in the trivia round. This is going to be really good when we get to the debate. That's a point for Farley. So it's 1.5 points to half a point. This next question is worth two points. So Stephanie, you can still take it home. And by the way, each episode, the point structure changes. So don't, don't try and figure out how we do things here. It's my court. Okay, here we go. Listen, bonus question. We'll give out points for this one. What's the most popular sandwich in the world? <sighs> All right, Stephanie. Is it a Cuban? First of all, really good guess. I'm so hungry right now for all the sandwiches that we are naming. And this one, this producer, Crystal, who writes these, this is tricky because the answer is the grilled cheese. And that, that's like really tricky. Like, I don't know what type of move that is, producer Crystal, but it's that type of move. Whatever you want to throw in front of that. It's a power course. move at least. I just wanted the Cuban to be the right answer. I feel like it needs its time. Now, you know what? I think you're right. Especially, do you dip? Do you dip your Cuban sandwich? Oh, I mean, well, if it depends on the sort of ratio of, you know, mustard that's already on the sandwich. Is it already kind of saucy? Does it need a dip? I love it. I mean, this is now me just talking as a chef. Is just warm liquid meat juices underrated? I mean, that was a kind of a really disgusting uh, description. <laughs> but yeah, I would agree. As, you know, coming from the city that claims to have invented the French dip, yes, I would agree with that. Fair enough. You're right. I'm not the writer. And I was proven right there, right? There's no poetry coming here. All right. Heading into question three. By the way, the question two bonus, we did give a half a point there reluctantly to producer Crystal, who gets a half a point, even though she's not partying. <laughs> she's never in all 32 episodes of this show, has never been given a point. So now's the time. And it's only a half a point. So there we go. Question three, the final question for the win. On the first episode of season five of Curb Your Enthusiasm, a deli names a sandwich after Larry. Can you name what was on the sandwich? And whoever gets the most items correct wins the point. The sandwich is called the Larry David. Did I miss a buzz? Ooga. Um, Farley's in. I'm, I'm just going to list ingredients because I know I have no idea. I, I bet it has turkey, provolone, and avocado. That's a very, I feel like, Cal-Italian sort of sandwich. None of those ingredients are on the Larry David. <laughs> Stephanie, you want to take a shot. You just need one ingredient at this point. It's got five. I'm going to say like a, a tuna salad, maybe, and onions. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Stephanie wins with onions being an ingredient. <laughs> and also, <laughs> this is the moment where we also realize that you both are such serious journalists and you work so hard and are so committed and passionate about your craft and your art that you don't watch TV. That's it. If, if you guys want to think that we don't watch TV for hours on end, <laughs> okay. then please, please continue. Fair enough. Just not curb your enthusiasm. No, no worries. We have not had someone from the show come on, on, on our show yet. So no, no worries there. The Larry David sandwich has smoked sable fish, white fish salad, cream cheese, onions, and capers. And Larry is incredibly disappointed that it's not a better sounding sandwich because, <laughs> you know, the white fish salad's a tough sell, e e even if you're a fan of whitefish salad. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> that means that Stephanie, you have taken the round, the big comeback in the trivia by just guessing that onions might be a part of a delicious sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> which which also gets Again. me to the point like onions are, are are onions a part of really every culture's delight. Onions are in everything. True? True. I hope so. 
The un- <laughs> really, really underrated vegetable, huh? Okay, here we go. That means, Stephanie, you've won. You get to decide who makes their argument first. What are you thinking, Stephanie? You know what? I'm going to let Farley go first. All right, Farley is going to go. We're going to get into our arguments in a second, but before that, let's take a quick break. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. We are back banging the Noki paddle, subbing in as a gavel here virtually. To recap today in the food court, we're kicking off season two with a bang. Farley Elliott is here arguing that cold sandwiches reign supreme, while Stephanie Brejo says, no way, hot sandwiches are the clear winner. The way this works is that each of you will have three minutes to state your case. During this three minutes, you need to lay out your case and not focus on your opponent. This isn't the time to go negative. That comes later. This might be difficult for both of you. There's been a lot of smack talk early on. Yes, very hard. And then, of course, then you'll have two minutes to do a rebuttal. At that time, you can go as low as you want, as negative as you'd like, or continue talking about the merits of your argument. We decided that it is going to be Farley that goes first. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, your three minutes starts now. First of all, cold sandwiches are way more versatile as a sandwich. You can eat them at room temperature. You can take them anywhere. They don't have a limited window in which they're good before they get disgusting and not at their intended quality rate. Nobody's going to the beach with like, a hot pastrami sandwich and thinking they're having a great time. The cold sandwich is the default sandwich of choice for picnics, for children. If you don't like kids, I don't know what to tell you. 
Not only are they versatile, but you don't really need any skills. Everybody who's had a few too many you know, in their living room, wanders into the kitchen at one in the morning and starts throwing meat and vegetables in between two slices of bread, and they have the best meal they're probably gonna have that week. That's what a sandwich gives you, okay? I don't need to turn anything on and kill myself or my neighbors. It's also just a dream scenario for basically every type of deli-style meat. I want salami, I want mortadella, I want bologna, I want bresaola, I want turkey, I want soppressata. All of these things are intended to be served cold or at least room temperature. And by the way, if you have hot sandwiches, that means vegetables outside of like maybe cooked down onion or a tomato confit, vegetables are basically gone. Anybody who wants to actually feel like they're eating a vegetable in their life should enjoy a cold sandwich. We're talking lettuce, crispy cucumbers, you name it, the possibilities are endless. You don't get a lot of mayo with hot sandwiches. Mayo is a delicious ingredient. You know, mustard can go either way, but I would say, generally speaking, if you're a fan of condiments, you're gonna want a cold sandwich. The types of bread are more versatile because you don't have to worry about grilling or cooking it over a stove. And speaking of cooking, we're talking about global warming here, people. The world's gonna be up to our neck in water by the year like 2050. How responsible of a person can you really be if you're spending all your time heating up every meal? Let's go cold foods, cold sandwiches, cold deli meats, vegetables galore, save the earth. Can't we all agree? Farley Elliott, an impassioned opening statement right there. I don't know what kind of, I mean, how are you going to kill your neighbors by turning the microwave on? That would be my only comment there would be like, you know, you don't want to kill your neighbors by firing up a sandwich in the microwave, Farley. I don't, I don't, I don't know necessarily. You know, in normal circumstances, if you're a little bit more in your right mind, you'd want to turn on a stove, maybe leading to a gas leak or something like that. But either way, <laughs> trusting yourself with any kind of power situation when you're not where you need to be mentally is a recipe for disaster. Cold sandwiches for the win. Okay, listen, I, listen, you did, you know, I'm almost, almost thought about docking a point because you did say the word confit, which is rarely used <laughs> in the cold sandwich world. Um, but lots of valid, valid points. It's environmentally safe. It's vegetable forward, the shelf life. Farley, have you ever had though a hot pastrami sandwich at Coney Island in the cold winter day? It's romantic. Anyway, a lot. Why, why anyone would, would want to be on Coney Island when it's cold is beyond me, but that's a different podcast. That, that is true. That is true. But well said, lots of great stuff right there, Farley. Stephanie, you'll have your three minutes. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right, Stephanie, your time starts now. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, your honor, how do you take a cold sandwich and make it better? You toast it, you heat it up, you get that cheese a little melty, a little gooey, until the bread is just crunchy enough on the outside, not of a, just a crunchy, well-baked baguette, but a crunchy toasting on the outside with a fluffy interior, all of these flavors congealing together as they were meant to be. I'm just gonna go ahead and name a few quality iconic sandwiches because truly, what is more iconic than something like a BLT? A Reuben, a meatball sub, a breakfast sandwich with the yolk just, just barely running, a Philly roast pork, garlicky and topped with broccoli rob, a burger, for instance, a hot dog, for instance, a Luther, where the buns become donuts, a tuna melt has to has to take the, the basics of a tuna sandwich, add cheese, get it toasty, completely new world. Uh, and of course, how could we forget the grilled cheese? Which leads me to my next point. Hot sandwiches are the ideal 
dunkable sandwiches. You cannot dunk a cold sandwich. You have to dunk a hot sandwich where the ingredients form together, held together by a, by a rich sauce or a cheese to really dunk into a soup, a broth, a jus. And that truly is a warming, fulfilling meal that you will not get with an egg salad sandwich. You won't get that with a turkey club. And many of the ingredients that can be used inside a cold sandwich can be heated up to form something entirely new. Your Honor, I rest my case. By the way, quick shout out to whatever friend gave me these wine glasses for my wedding. They are serving their purpose as being our end of round bell right there. Stephanie throwing it down. Farley came fast and furious. Stephanie responded with truly poetry, melty, ooey, gooey, crunchy, fluffy, all things that were said, toasty. Stephanie, you said I did not describe warm meat juices very well. You did say the word congealing at some point. <laughs> That's just a personal note. I'm not docking you for it. Wow. Breakfast sandwiches finally making their way into this debate. And I was not expecting and I was not prepared to potentially think of a, a environmentally safe vegetable sandwich as Farley's describing going up against the Luther. That was not something that I saw coming, <laughs> but to be honest, I'm getting goosebumps because we are in it right now. It's time for our rebuttals. Farley, you'll have two minutes now. Your two minutes starts now. Uh, to be honest with you, Your Honor, I don't necessarily feel the need to debunk much of anything. Frankly, my opponent has done most of the work for me. If you're leading your argument with words like congealed, you frankly pretty much already lost. And if we're getting into burger and hot dog sandwich territory when it comes to warm sandwich, that means you're really grasping at straws. But the facts are simply clear. If you are a person who prefers hot sandwiches, it means you at most like one type of topping that's not a meat, and that's cheese. And that cheese has a shelf life of about four to six minutes before, to borrow a phrase, it becomes congealed. And so at that point, you've got a brick on your hands that absolutely nobody wants to eat. My side of the world, much more delightful, much more wholesome, healthy. It's the sort of thing you pack for your kid on the way to school. You can put avocado on a sandwich and nobody's gonna give it a second look, something Larry David should have done, I might add. And I would also just like to say that if you need to dunk your sandwich in an outside ingredient, not only does that stop being a singular, unified, easily transportable food, it also probably means the original thing itself isn't that good to begin with. Also, keeping my street cred, I'm the modern chef with tweezers. I just This is for my, my riders out there, <laughs> being that I still, I still got it. <laughs> transportable. Making its way into the discussion, is a cold sandwich more transportable? And that, does that therefore make it better? Something for this judge to think about for sure. Stephanie, you have two minutes for your rebuttal. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, your two minutes starts now. I want to circle back to my opponent's point that if you enjoy a hot sandwich, you cannot enjoy a vegetable. I'm going to say, in honor of my very Italian-American grandmother, consider the eggplant parm, Farley. How can you say that you cannot enjoy a hot vegetable? Think of all that you can do with warm vegetables. Throw them on a grill, top them with some mozzarella and a little balsamic. You can enjoy a hot vegetable on the sandwich. Let me tell you what you can't do. You can't enjoy a gloopy, gloppy, mayonnaise -y mess. And let's not even talk about textures of a cold sandwich because so many times in a cold sandwich, you get a block of cold meat 
a block of cold cheese, and honestly, lettuce that's oftentimes either icy or wilty as it is because it is being smothered in mayonnaise. If you have a hot sandwich, all of those components, they pair together, they go together, they blend well together, and you have so much more opportunity to play with those textures and ingredients. Also, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this, I don't know if we're allowed to bleep it out, but I'm gonna go ahead and say, my opponent makes a big deal about children and what is safe for children, and I'm gonna go ahead and say, them kids. I don't care about packing <laughs> someone's lunch. I just want a delicious sandwich. I'm not gonna eat a cold egg. Give me a hot, beautiful, yolky breakfast sandwich with gooey cheese. I would take hot cheese spilling out of my sandwich over cold mayonnaise lettuce any day. I rest my case. Okay, I would say that it's getting heated in here, but that might say that there's a bias right now, which does not exist. A matter of fact, I'm gonna say we knew that we had some heavy hitters coming in here, Crystal. For this one but it is true like the, the 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 argument has gone back and forth and i do not know what i'm going to decide the arguments for hot sandwiches versus cold sandwiches there's just so much to get into but that's what i have to do i have a tough job i have to make this decision so i am going to disappear to my chambers to mull this over and while i do this let's take a quick break are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. All right, everyone, we are back, and I have had a chance to think about it long and hard. It's been about mm, 38 seconds or so in real time, and I think that I have 
finally come up with a decision. It's very, very close. And this is the time where we do have our last moments for our contestants to sort of plea their cases for the court. Any last things that you'd like to say in about a minute, Farley? You know, I would just like to say there's been a lot of animosity on this podcast today. And ultimately, we're arguing similar sides of a similar looking coin, like one of those weird NFL coins where it's not the actual heads and tails. It's just two random images. If there's one thing we can come together on, I think, throughout all this, it is the BLT. You've got a little warm, you've got toasty bread, you've got cool ingredients. So I just want to say, in an appeal to unity at this time, if we can all agree that a BLT is great, I think no matter the outcome, we're going to get through it together. So Farley, I just want to, on the record, I understand the joys of a great BLT. Is it, in your mind, a hot or a cold sandwich? Well, that's my point is I think it's absolutely both. Assuming you've got warm bacon and toasted bread and cold vegetable and meat and stuff on the inside, I think it's a fantastic place for everyone to come together and agree on a little bit of deliciousness. Mm. Stephanie, your last minute to perhaps change my mind. Well, I just guess I would like to say that, you know, a BLT is absolutely both of those worlds. But do you know what's better than a BLT? A Reuben. Basically any other sandwich. I'm sorry, Farley. I just, you know, we can agree that that a BLT is, is a great blending of both sandwich cultures. But I will say that there are infinitely better sandwiches out there and they are hot. No yielding, no conceding happening on Stephanie's side, a plea for unity coming from Farley. And I have made my final decisions, everyone, in the case of cold sandwiches versus hot sandwiches. Farley does not think you can go to the beach and enjoy a hot pastrami. I'm not sure I agree with that, but he has a, has a good point that a cold sandwich has a long shelf life. It potentially is environmentally friendly. You're not going to blow up or, you know, kill your neighbors most likely with a cold sandwich unless you're making your own charcuterie. <laughs> uh, who, who knows what could happen there? You know, cheese, cold versus melted. A cold sandwich is transportable. Lots of great things there. Stephanie with the poetry, fluffy, ooey, gooey, melty, crunchy, chewy. The, the Luther, dunkable. I, who doesn't want to dunk everything in everything? Which I think is a good point. And... I don't know. Do you give points or not for maybe Stephanie not being the biggest fan of mayonnaise and saying F them kids, which is also something that was said <laughs> today. I don't regret it. This is a tough one. At the end of the day, I have decided I've made a decision in the battle over hot sandwiches versus cold sandwiches. I declare a tie. <gasps> I declare that this court is not quite ready to make a judgment on this case. I'm getting goosebumps. A tie has only happened once before in food court history. It was between my kids, and I just did not feel like I could pick one over the other. Wow. And I think that's the type of argument that both of you made. At the end of the day, they're both sandwiches. They're both delicious. They're enjoyable in, regardless of temperature. And I think at this time, there is a need for unity, perhaps Farley bringing it back over from a loss to a tie, <laughs> appealing to all of our hearts with the beloved, iconic BLT. Stephanie, they can't see you, but you are shaking your head and perhaps <laughs> disgust. Are you upset with this court's decision? You know, I just, I, I'm not going to argue with you, Your Honor. I just, I feel like, I feel like there's been a, a justice needs to be served. I feel like justice still needs to be served. 
I listen, I understand. I, like I said, at this time, the court cannot make this decision. We might need to follow this up with an appeal round. Listen, everyone, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to Food Court. I'm Richard Blaze, and I've been your judge. Thank you so much for coming. It's been amazing. For more Farley Elliott, find him across social media at Over Over Under and on Eater.com. You can also pick up his book, Los Angeles Street Food, A History from Tamaleros to Taco Trucks. And you can find Stephanie on Twitter at Brage or underscore they. And writing about restaurants and bars for Time Out Los Angeles, are there any places or funds that either of you would like to call to attention that need some support, especially during these times? I would like to share that yeah. No Us Without You is doing incredible work in Los Angeles. It's a nonprofit that is feeding not only furloughed and out-of-work restaurant workers, but also their families, which can sometimes fall through the cracks, sometimes cannot apply for aid um, due to undocumented status. And these people are, are really doing incredible work, gathering food, making deliveries, making sure that people in Los Angeles in the restaurant industry are eating. Amazing. We will put that up on the Instagram account. Farley? I would say, generally speaking, you know, if you're listening to this outside of Los Angeles, support your local food bank, support your local produce vendors, anybody at a farmer's market. You know, these people have been rocked just as hard, if not harder than a lot of restaurants right now. And there's so much need everywhere. But the, the little bit that you can do in your immediate community, wherever that happens to be, I think the better we'll all be for it. Absolutely. And I think that that has been one of the you know, sort of silver linings, so to speak, is that we, the, everyone, yes, we, you know, it's a giving industry to begin with. And I think the amount of things all of us have done to support each other has been pretty amazing. Listen, audience, what do you think? Do you think that uh, a cold sandwich is better than a hot sandwich? Do you think I got it wrong by punting to the appeals court here? Let us know across social media. You can find me at Richard Blaze and the show on Instagram at Food Court Pod. Food Court is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Richard Blaze. My producer is Crystal Bamahi. Food Court was created by our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis. The rest of my Food Court clerks are David Wasserman and Jasmine Blaze. The theme song is by Jason Neesmith. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. 
Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.